it is uh, Memorial Day uh, weekend, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, there are differences in the celebrations. And so today, this, this weekend, we, we honor those who fell in battle. We honor those who gave their lives uh, so that we could be here uh, worshiping freely, uh, opening God's Word freely, enjoying freedoms that not everybody enjoys. Uh, so uh, if you would not mind, if, if we could just have just a moment of silence as we honor those who gave their lives for, for our freedoms. Father, we are so very grateful to enjoy the freedoms that we enjoy. We are so very thankful for the privilege it is to come together as a church family to worship You, to open Your Word, knowing that our brothers and sisters across the globe do not experience that same kind of freedom. But Lord, we also understand that that freedom was not free, but that it cost. And Father, for those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, we are thankful. We are grateful. Father, we also recognize, Jesus, that You gave the ultimate sacrifice, that you are ultimately the one that has given us freedom forever. And to you, we also say, thank you, not just with words, but with our lives. And it is in your name and for your sake that we pray. Amen. I want to go ahead and invite our kids to come on down. Uh, it is a fifth Sunday, uh, and so we don't dismiss anybody, but just come on down and grab your packets. Miss Sarah is down here as well, also with Miss Julie. Yes! Um, and so along with Miss Julie, uh, the rest of us can be uh, just go ahead and grabbing a Bible. We're going to turn to a couple of different places this morning. I do want to go ahead and uh, highlight a couple of things that are going on um, as we continue uh, into the summer. Uh, I do want to ask you to continue to be faithful in your tithes and your offerings, your giving, uh, and, and all of that. This uh, coming Wednesday night, we are going to have our family meeting. Uh, we are uh, required by our Constitution and bylaws to have at least one family meeting every year. This Wednesday is it. Uh, we've got a lot of things that we want to share with you. It's more of a vision casting. Here's what we, here's what we sense God is doing as we move into the future. It's going to be an, ex, uh, an opportunity for me to share with you what we've been praying about as a staff, what we've been praying about as elders. We're going to look at the budget for the 2022-2023 year. Uh, we're going to celebrate what God has done uh, in the course of the last year, uh, whether it be with 
finances or whether we be with people, whether it be with salvations and decisions. We're going to do a lot of celebrating and sharing on Wednesday night. We're also going to begin to look toward the future and what we believe that uh, the next, some of the next steps that God has for us as we journey together as a faith family. Uh, Chick-fil-A is that night. Uh, we'll do dinner at six o'clock. Chick, uh, dinner is on us. We want you to, we want to remove all the obstacles for you being here. Uh, so dinner's at six o'clock. It, uh, it's Chick-fil-A. We would ask that you register so that we make sure that we have enough Chick-fil-A for everybody. But we want to go ahead and remove that obstacle. But we want the, the church family to come together. Normally people hear business meeting, they're like, check me out. Um, but we do want you to be here and be a part of that evening. So Wednesday night, we'll have dinner at 6. We'll come together at 6.30. And then after we get done with the family meeting, we're going to begin working on some of our VBS stuff, some of our preparation type things uh, that Jen asked us to do. Jen Abercrombie, our minister to children and families, will be here on Wednesday. She will have moved here, so we're excited about that. And then she's just in time for VBS, which is uh, June 6th through the 9th. Uh, we have 128,000 kids signed up. Small exaggeration. Uh, we're, we're probably close to the 300 mark. Is that where we are, Angela? Okay, great. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, and so, so we, still have, we still have plenty of opportunities for you to serve, and we need you to serve. So we cannot do this alone. A lot of other things that you can check out in your handout that are coming this summer. Uh, this place is not going to be a boring place during the summer, to say the least. It's going to be kind of exciting. This morning, we're going to be looking at several passages of Scripture as we prepare ourselves to dive into the second 50 Psalms. If you were with us last summer, we began sort of a several summer journey where we were going to be spending our summers in the Psalms. And I want to encourage you as we go through these different passages today to jot down the passages that we talk about so that you can uh, return to them uh, not just later today, but during the summer as we journey through them. We're going to start with what might be a familiar passage to some of you, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 say this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age. The New King James says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this age. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So you read that, and the first question that might come to your mind is, okay, so how do I renew our minds? I want to know what the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God is, but how do I, how do I renew my mind? Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, again, we're throwing several passages out at you, so jot them down. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Philippians chapter 4, starting with verse 8, says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell or think on these things. Then he continues in verse 9 and he says, Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me. In other words, when you know what's true, when you know what's 
what's honorable, when you know what's just, when you know what's pure, when you know what's lovely, when you know what's commendable, when you know what is morally excellent, when you know something that is praiseworthy, when you know it, then do it. And James tells us in chapter 1, verse 22, don't just be doers, uh, don't be just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. When we know the things that we're supposed to do, when we know things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable, we need to do those things. The knowledge and the understanding that we gain from being in this room, from being in small groups, from being in accountability relationships, from having a personal devotional life, we are to put into practice the things that we are learning, applying the truths of God's word into our daily lives. If all we are doing is feasting at the table and never exercising, all we're going to do is get fat. We have got to put into practice the things that we are learning, the things that we are eating and gleaning from when we eat at God's table. And this summer, we're going to focus again on at least one way, one way that we can renew our minds so that we are transformed, so that we are made more and more into the image and into the character and into the likeness of Christ, so that as we're made more and more into the image of Christ, we can discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So if you'll take your copy of God's Word and turn to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. If you're new to Bible study, Ephesians is, a, is sort of toward the beginning. You've got the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you've got Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians. If you're using one of the Bibles and the chairs around you, I think it's on page 1038. If we've said it before, we'll say it again. If you do not have a Bible in your home, please feel free to take one of these with you. Now, I want you to hold your place there. Once you've found Ephesians chapter, chapter 5, I want you to hold your place there, and I want you to go to the book of Colossians, which is just going to be two books over. Josh isn't just sitting up here because he just likes to be close to me. Josh and I are going to share this part of the message this morning, so I'm going to read from the Ephesians chapter, and he's going to read from the Colossians chapter. Colossians chapter 3, if you're using the Bible around you, I believe it's on page 1044. With all that said, if you are physically able, I would invite you to stand with us in the honor of the reading of God's Word. I'll start with the passage from Ephesians, then Josh will read the passage from Colossians, and then I'll pray, and we'll go from there. Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 15. Be careful... Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Now turning to Colossians chapter 3, and Josh will start with verse 12. Colossians 3 verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart, may they be acceptable to you. You are our rock. You are our redeemer. Father, may we decrease so that you might increase. And may we conclude our time today more like you than when we started because we have been in your presence. We have heard your voice and we have been changed by your word. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. When we look at the two passages of scripture we just read, they are both encouraging us Uh, and how to live a Christ-like life, how we can live this side of life in such a way that people are drawn to Christ, uh, that people are drawn to uh, the Father, uh, and and really to the hope that He provides for an abundant life. John uh, 10, verse 10. Uh, It's an abundant life both now and in eternity, and it's abundant life that comes because of our our relationship with Christ, our relationship with the Father. So we're going to start with Ephesians this morning, chapter 5, verse 15. It says, Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. Literally, the text says, watch carefully how you walk. As you're walking, be wise. As you are walking, make wise decisions. As you are walking, be discerning. Understand that you are going to be influenced while you are journeying on this life and be wise in this life. Be wise on this side of life as you are journeying. And what would Paul have recognized? as wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we want to be wise in our comings and goings, if we want to be wise in our everyday life, wisdom starts with a fear of the Lord. And you're not going to have a fear of the Lord unless you are in God's Word, unless you are in relationship with Him. It's when we open ourselves and we avail ourselves to hear His voice, to hear Him speak, that we will have a fear, a reverence of the Lord, a fear, a reverence of His Word, and we will be wise and we will be discerning as we travel this side of life. Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Paul's context would have understood this evil to be the ungodly influence of the culture. Not only the ungodly influence of the culture, but it would have also involved the persecution of the early church, which we uh, should understand uh, is <laughs> it's just as applicable to our day and age. We are not experiencing, in, in our Western culture, we are not experiencing that as much, but our brothers and sisters around the world understand what the word persecution is. Matter of fact, in, in many places in China, the, the pastors don't consider themselves truly the pastor until they have been jailed. That's when they consider themselves to truly be qualified to pastor their flock, when they have spent time in jail because of their faith. And you and I need to understand, we need to be prepared and we need to be equipped that persecution is only going to continue as we cling and as we adhere to, to God's Word So don't be foolish, verse 17. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What is the Lord's will? John chapter 6, verse 40 says that everyone who sees the Son and believes Him will have eternal life. It says that that's what God's will is, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says that the will of God is that not wanting any to perish, but that all come to repentance. 
How do you know what you are doing is in God's will? How do you know that what you are doing is God's will? For the first question is simply, does it line up with God's word? If, if you are doing something that is contradictory to God's word, you can know that it is not a part of God's will and God's plan for your life. God will not contradict himself. God does not contradict himself. If it's going to be part of God's plan, if it's going to be part of God's will and for your life, it's going to be in his word. Numbers chapter 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that he might lie or a son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? God will never contradict himself. God will never contradict his son. God will never contradict his Holy Spirit. God will never contradict his own word. If what you are doing is contrary to what scripture says, you can know without a shadow of a doubt, it is not God's plan for your life. Potential next question would be, has it been prompted by the Holy Spirit? And when you feel like something's been prompted by the Holy Spirit, what do you do? You confirm it in his word. Okay, I, I have all these voices in my head. I never, I can't tell if it's me just talking to myself or if it's really the Holy Spirit. Compare it to God's word. Float it by God's word. Walk with other people who are godly influences in your life. Learn to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. We live in a busy, busy culture where we have so many voices coming at us. We need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Is it God's will for my life? Is it God's plan for my life? Well, is it the voice of the Holy Spirit or is it one of countless others that we have bogged our minds and our hearts with? You got to bring it in, compare it to God's word. A third question based on the scripture we just read, a third question we might ask ourselves is simply, does it, does whatever we're asking the Lord, does that point people toward an eternity, life-giving relationship with Jesus? Is what I'm doing or what I desire to do going to point somebody toward Jesus, or is it going to pull somebody further away from him? That's another question that we can ask when we know, is this a part of God's plan? Is this part of God's will? Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living. Verse 18, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the spirit. As you read further into chapter 5 and chapter 6, Paul is getting ready to give instructions to husbands, wives, parents, and children. But the foundation of that spirit, uh, the foundation of that instruction is this, be filled by the spirit. Paul is warning against being controlled by anything other than the Holy Spirit, but he's also exhorting us, he's also encouraging us to be influenced by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he tells us in some form or fashion in all of his letters what this power and what this presence looks like when the Holy Spirit demonstrates himself through us. Galatians, for example. Again, jot these down. Galatians, we've read these verses before, but if you're new to Bible study, they're helpful verses for understanding what a Christ-like life is supposed to look like, what the Holy Spirit accomplishes in and through us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Zach talked about them Wednesday night. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and, uh, oh, I did it wrong. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Did I get them? Do it again, Cindy. But the fruit of the Spirit is... Say it with me so I don't feel so stupid. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yeah, that's what I meant. 
Romans chapter 12 is another example. Verses 6, 7, and 8 of Romans chapter 12 says this, According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If it's prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If it's service, use it in service. If it's teaching, teaching, exhorting, exhortation, giving, generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. The fruits, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and that list. And then these gifts, these are all demonstrations of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we are living a Christ-like, eternal, life-giving life, a life that points to God, a life that points other people towards Christ, a life that points other people to a relationship, these are the things, these are the types of things that our lives are going to produce. They're, again, they're just two examples of the way that the Holy Spirit is demonstrating Himself through us as Christ followers, the people that the Holy Spirit indwells. And this passage from Ephesians gives us even another, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 18, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. Just a side note, the Honey in the Rock song that we just sang, I know it was new, we'll continue to sing it. Why? Because it's based on Psalm 81. We just sang Scripture together. We just sang Scripture over one another. We went from a psalm to a, to a passage in Revelation. We were singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs together. We were fulfilling this aspect of Scripture. Verse 20, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And keeping that in mind, turn again to Paul's letter to the Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 12. Josh. Colossians 3, verse 12. Uh, I want to reread this portion really quick. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against one another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, take note of verse 15, let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Take note of verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. As Jonathan was just saying in Ephesians, this, this passage in Colossians is quite similar. There's some parallels where Paul is again speaking to the Christian life as a whole. How are you and I to live and walk out our Christian lives in light of the gospel and in light of what Jesus has done for us on the cross? And what's really interesting to me is as Paul is getting to, he's writing to the church of Ephesus and he's writing in Colossians and he's writing these letters when he gets to the subject of the Christian life, what's really interesting is that twice he brings up the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs. No coincidence, no coincidence that the psalms come up twice in regards to the Christian life as a whole. And it gets us to ask the question, okay, if this is so important to the Christian life that Paul would actually repeat it twice, that he would say this multiple times, the question is this, what do the psalms have to do with the Christian life? And what part do the psalms play in the Christian life. And I think we have to answer that question. 
as Paul is going to repeat it twice, what do the Psalms have to do with the Christian life? And I want to bring your attention specifically to verse 15. You know, about an hour ago, I probably gave one of the worst uh, Sunday school lessons on earth to the students because I was coughing every 10 seconds. And so I apologize to the students. I'm going to keep this short and sweet for you guys in hopes I can get through it. Verse 15. And let the peace of Christ, to which you are also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. What's in, in this overall theme of living the Christian life, Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. But then he says something very interesting following that. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. This is not an accident that Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And then the next verse says, let the word of Christ dwell in your hearts. There is a very clear progression and a very clear, important, crucial, fundamental truth of the Christian life. And that is this, that you and I will never experience the peace of Christ in our lives if we are living disconnected from the word of Christ. You and I will never experience the peace of Christ if we are living a life disconnected from the word of Christ. In other words, we'll never be able to fully walk in the peace of God. We'll never be able to experience fully the peace of God if we are neglecting the word of God, and not giving the word of God a prominent place in our life. And what's really interesting is Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. Let the word of Christ dwell abundantly among you. In the Greek, that literally means let the word of God reside, dwell in you. But it also means let the word of God not only dwell and reside in you, but let the word of God have influence upon you. So not only is the, are we supposed to be giving time to the word, and reading the word and staying devoted to the word, but we're also, as Paul is saying, supposed to be letting the word of God be the strongest influence in my life, in your life. He says, let the word of God be the highest authority, the most important voice we are to give our hearts and minds to. As Jonathan was just saying, we live in a time where there's a lot of voices. Everyone can have a voice. Everyone can have an opinion. How do we know we are hearing the voice of God? We have to give the most prominent place to the word of God and let make sure that our hearts and our minds in our lives are being influenced by God's word and God's word alone. In other words, may there be no competing affection than God's word in your life. So reading God's word is not just enough, but we are to be abiding and surrendering to the word of Christ. Then we will be able to walk in the peace of Christ as we stay rooted in the word of Christ. And Paul doesn't stop there. Look at the second half of verse 16. He says this, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What are we to do with the word of Christ? How are we to handle the word of Christ? He says, in all wisdom, 
teaching and admonishing one another through the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That it is to be our source and our foundation upon which we are to teach and admonish and encourage one another. Not just here on Sundays, but in our day-to-day life, in our marriages, and in parenting, in the workplace. May that be the foundation upon which we encourage and admonish and build each other up. And he says, let the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs be the source you pull from, the word of God you pull from to do this. And I think it's very interesting. I'll leave you with this. Going back to the question, well, what does the Psalms have to do with the Christian life? Why would Paul mention the Psalms twice in regards to the Christian life? Well, here's what the Psalms do very uniquely. The Psalms provide us with a unique perspective of God's people walking through the midst of overwhelming trial and hardship. The Psalms give us a glimpse of God's people walking through the everyday trial and overwhelming emotion. But yet these people had peace. Yet these people are able to hold on to the peace of God even in the midst of the most overwhelming situations because they were clinging to the word of God. And this is the perspective that the Psalms provide us. This is the the glimpse we get into the heart of man crying out to God, holding on to his word and being able to have peace even in the midst of the most overwhelming hardship and circumstances. And in the Psalms, it's flooded with descriptions of God such as he's our shepherd, he's our He's our refuge. He's our strong tower, stronghold, hiding place, helper. He's our light, our salvation. He's our shield, our redeemer, our king. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, highly lifted up, seated on the throne. How was it that the psalmist can have such an overwhelming peace in the midst of hardship? It's because they knew who God was through his revealed word. And that is what we have to do as well. As we get ready to dive into the the summer of the Psalms, may it be a time for us where we are equipping ourselves with the word of God, the word of Christ, so that when we are walking through the midst of hardship and trial, we can navigate it with a peace that surpasses all understanding because we are letting the word of Christ dwell richly among us. So that even though I'm walking through the darkest valley, but God is my shepherd. Even though I'm walking through unforeseen, unknown circumstances, God is my rock. Even though I'm walking through some inner turmoil that I can't even put words to, God is my shield and my helper. We fall back on the revealed promises of God that he has spoken to us through his word. Again, I'll leave you with What did the Psalms have to do with the Christian life? The Psalms allow us to have the peace of God even in the midst of hardship because we will never have the peace of God without trusting and dwelling in the word of God. And Jonathan will finish us up. Psalms are written by a plethora of authors from Moses to Solomon uh, leading up to about 6 BC where there, there are recordings of these messengers who are crying out to God. They're calling out to God. They're, they're worshiping God. And the, the variety of messages that they are communicating through 150 of these psalms are teaching us how to be in relationship with our Creator, how to relate to Him, how to communicate with Him, uh, how to talk to and hear from Him in the midst of any and every life circumstance. Under divine inspiration, keep in mind, uh, 2 
2 Timothy chapter 3 says, All Scripture is given uh, and inspired by God under divine inspiration, prompted and guided by the Spirit of God. The Psalms are written from a human perspective. Listen to how one scholar says it. He says, They are written from the human perspective as authors work their way through various life situations. The struggle to understand how God, God's attributes relate to life's experiences is a major theme throughout. The words are not from people who have lost their faith in God, but lives that have wrestled with Him personally as well as a community. As the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us and teaches us how to be in a relationship with God as well as, as, well as each other, because that's what the Psalms will do. The Psalms will teach us how to be in a relationship with the Father, but the Psalms will also guide us in how to be in a relationship with one another. The Psalms provide a tool, a resource that equips us along this journey, and it's a resource that God has already blessed. Last year, I read this quote from Dr. Whitney, Dr. Donald Whitney, and we've actually done a series of interviews with Dr. Whitney that we'll put on, online. He, read, he wrote a book called Praying the Bible uh, that, that completely altered my personal devotion life. The book's called Praying the Bible, and a, a chapter of it is Praying the Psalms. And he says this, and, and we quoted it several times last summer. I'm sure I'll quote it a lot of times this summer. He said, God has inspired a psalm for every sigh of the soul. I, with as many people are in here plus, there are that many sighs going on in our lives right now. There are that many things, that many life circumstances going on. As many people are in here, there are that many things going on. And there is a psalm for every sigh of your soul. Within the breadth of 150 psalms, you can find the entire range of human emotion. You will never go through anything in life in which you cannot find the root emotions reflected in the psalms. Exhilaration, frustration, discouragement, guilt, forgiveness, joy, gratitude, dealing with enemies, contentment, discontentment, you name it, they are all found in the book of Psalms. There is a psalm for every sigh of the soul. We started this journey last year with the first 50, and our goal remains the same as we continue through the second Second group of 50, verse, uh, chapters 51 through 100. My heart is for us to learn to read the psalms, to memorize the psalms, to sing the psalms. If you were here last Sunday and you, you heard our children open, those were psalms that they were singing to us. Honey in the Rock, I just mentioned Psalm 81. To read the psalms, to memorize the psalms. Memorizing the psalms, a lot of people have a problem, have struggled, not they have a problem with memorizing, they just struggle with memory. One of my very favorite people on the planet, Dr. Robert Smith Jr., uh, he's one of the leading African-American evangelical preachers. Uh, he was supposed to be with us last May, uh, but a stroke uh, kept him from being with us. Hopefully we'll be able to have him down the road. Uh, Julie, at times that we've heard Dr. Smith preach, uh, has counted the number of scriptures that have just come out of his mouth during the course of his sermon. No notes in front of him, just him quoting scripture, making point after point. And during a panel one time, uh, one of the students in the audience was asking a question. He said, Dr. Smith, how do you memorize so much scripture? And I know I've said this before here, but I'm going to say it again. Dr. Smith, how do you memorize so so much scripture. And Dr. Smith looked at him and said, son, I don't memorize scripture. I let scripture memorize me. Think about that for just a second. He is so in the word of God. He is so marinated in the word of God that he lets the spirit of God and the word of God memorize him and take him over and consume him so that when he is out in life and he is confronted with life circumstances and life situations, it is the word of God that seeps out of him and who he is. 
I am not there yet. But I long to be that kind of pastor. I long to be that kind of preacher. I long to be that kind of husband and that kind of father and that kind of Christ follower alongside of you. That no matter what we face as a church family, that it is God's word that seeps out of me. And I would ask you to hold me accountable. And I will hold you accountable. Because I've said it before, the world will do so many things better than we will ever have a chance to do. Their light shows, their laser shows, their smoke, everything will be better than what we could possibly do. But the thing that they do not have the authority on is the Word of God. Or relationships. They can do a lot of things better than we ever could imagine. But we have this. And I don't know why I'm getting so emotional about this. This is not in my notes, so it's free. I want to be a place where people's lives are changed. I want to be a place that looks more and more like Jesus every day. And the only way that that is going to happen is if we are a people who are in God's Word. And if we allow His Word to memorize us. We started the journey last year. Read, memorize, sing, and pray the Psalms. And even speak the Psalms to one another and over one another. And in doing so, we offer the Holy Spirit even more of us to work with as we seek out a Spirit-filled, Christ-like life. That is the kind of life that separates us, that sets us apart from the world. Don't be conformed to this age. Don't be conformed to this world. And it is a life that sets us apart from the world and draws people to Jesus. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor and, a, and theologian who opposed Hitler. He was in Germany and he opposed Hitler He's written one of my favorite works called The Cost of Discipleship. If you have not read this, just fair warning, it's like diving into the deep end of the ocean. Uh, it, is, it is a deep theological truth. One of the things that he said is, how is it possible for a man and Jesus Christ to pray the Psalms together? It is the incarnate Son of God who has borne every human weakness in his own flesh who here pours out the heart of all humanity before God and who stands in our place and prays for us. He has known torment and pain, guilt and death more deeply than we. Therefore, it is the prayer of our human nature assumed by Him which comes here before God. It is really our prayer. But since He knows us better than we know ourselves and since He Himself was true man for our sakes, it is also really His prayer and it can become our prayer only because it was His prayer. Here's what that's saying. When Jesus prayed, when Jesus quoted Scripture, He was quoting the Psalms very often. When He prayed, He was quoting the Psalms very often. Do we have those accounts? No, but we know it to be true. 
this summer, we're going to be diving into the next 50. And we've written these devotional books, Psalms 51 through 100, and they are available right here. We just want to make sure everybody grabs one. Make sure everybody has one as we journey together as a faith family through the Psalms. The, the, the cost of it, it costs us about $5 to get each one printed, but if that's a burden to you, don't worry about it. It is more important to us that you have one of these devotions, one of these journals to walk through as a faith family together. So that as we start next Sunday with Psalm 51, as we journey through these psalms together as a church family, as we read, as we pray, as we memorize, as we sing, as we speak over God's word, as we speak God's word over one another, that we will not be conformed to this world, that we will be set apart, and that we will be transformed, we will be made more and more like Christ. When uh, we started letting Josh, when we started asking Josh to preach, uh, a couple of times after he preached, uh, some folks walked up to me and said, uh, you've got some competition now. <laughs> and uh, I just need you to hear this out loud. Um, we are not in competition with one another. I, I'm very protective of who, who takes this pulpit because that's what I've been assigned to do. I've been assigned to shepherd and guard and guide the flock. But I need you to know it really doesn't matter that much as long as, 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 as that preached. One of my favorite things about Josh is his ability to memorize Scripture or to let Scripture memorize him. There has not been a staff meeting yet where I haven't turned to Josh and, and asked him to close the staff meeting in prayer. And he hasn't started by saying, that reminds me of this passage of Scripture. And we're all like, is he looking at his Bible? No, he's not. But it just demonstrates to you the humble servant that he is and the demonstration and commitment that he has to God's Word. It's challenging me, but it should challenge us too that we need to become the bearers of his Word because that is what is going to make a difference in the community that God has called us to. So Josh, would you close us in a word of prayer? I'm going to look at my Bible, <laughs> but yes. Psalms 34, starting in verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person, how happy is the person who takes refuge in him. You who are his holy ones, fear the Lord. For those who fear him lack nothing. Young lions lack food and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. Father, we thank you for the promises of your word. Lord, we thank you that you are holy and just and righteous. As we were singing, as Revelation says, that there are the angels around the throne singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you are the one we can take refuge in. You are the one whom we can taste and see that you are good. You are the one who we can come before out of fear and awe and respect and know that in your presence we lack nothing. Lord, I pray we would cling to those promises. I pray that we would cling to your word more than anything so that you are greater glorified in us and so that we conform greater into the image of Christ. 
Lord, I pray for this summer. As the psalm says, how happy is the person who takes refuge in the Lord. I pray as we dive through the psalms that this would be one of the most joyful, if not the most joyful season studying your word together. Thank you, Lord, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.